Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 177 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading the entire book of Philemon today and our focus is on does the Bible encourage or allow slavery? So every day we do this, we discuss one issue or topic or question from a chapter of the Bible Five days a week, we're in the New Testament. Two days a week, we're in the Old Testament. Our website is Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. You can go there to contact us with a question or a comment. You can check out show notes there and much more. So another controversial topic today, but it's one that we can't dodge or overlook because, hey, the whole book of Philemon is about the issue of slavery or servitude. Now, you might have noticed, and this is pretty subtle, but I sometimes use the ESV or the English Standard Version translation of the Bible on this podcast, and usually the reason for that is because the ESV translates the Greek word doulos as bondservant rather than slave. Now, I think that's an important distinction, though the CSB, which I normally use, and other translations that use the word slave for the word doulos, are, they're not exactly wrong. The trouble is that the way that the New Testament of the Bible seems to talk about doulos and douloses is not the same thing that is brought to mind in today's Western world, particularly a country like the United States, when the word slavery is used. Much of the American or English system of slavery was built on kidnapping and it was race-based, white people oppressing and kidnapping, enslaving and treating black people mostly, mostly black people, some other races as well, treating them horribly. But this is not what we see when the Bible is talking about a doulos. It's not what servitude in the first century in New Testament times was like, and it wasn't really even what the kind of slavery or bond servanthood was spoken of in the Old Testament either. In fact, the Old Testament forbade that kind of kidnapping-based slavery that was practiced in the Americas. It was punishable by death, a fact that many of those slave traders really overlooked. Exodus 21.16 says, Whoever kidnaps a person must be put to death, whether he sells him or the person is found in his possession. So, it's true that the Old Testament allowed certain forms of slavery of the Israelites over conquered nations. A friend of mine named Lamar, who's a listener to this show, speculates that this was allowed for the same reason that God allowed Old Testament husbands to write a certificate of divorce for their wives because of hard-heartedness. And I think he's correct there, but I need to say that cruelty and kidnapping were never condoned scripturally in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's also true that New Testament writers tell servants to submit to their masters. And as well, they also, the New Testament commands masters to be gentle and good and kind to their servants. Now, this might seem to be an implicit or inferred approval of slavery, but I don't think it is for two reasons. First, because the doulos or bondservant nature of what is spoken of by the New Testament writers really seems to be a far cry from the type of chattel slavery practiced in many Western nations in recent memories. I mean, sorry, in recent centuries. So I don't read those passages as approving slavery, but as approving the kind of master-servant bond that was practiced in the first centuries, which again, 
quite different from the abominable and wicked enslavement of the African peoples practiced in more recent centuries. Also, because there are books in the Bible like Philemon and passages like some of the ones we're going to cover in just a moment that condemn slavery and encourage people to get away from slavery and even bond servantness. For instance, in 1 Timothy 1, 9-11, Paul condemns slave trading entirely, calling it contrary to the gospel. He says, We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and males who have sex with males, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. We also have 1 Corinthians 7.21, in which Paul encourages those in servanthood or slavery to gain their freedom if possible. He says, were you a bondservant when you were called? Don't be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. As well, we know that the early church was made up of many people, rich and poor, Greek and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. In fact, we have historical documents that talk about female deaconesses that were captured by the Romans that had a high position of servant leadership in the church who themselves were slave, slaves or servants. And Paul writes that all of those in the church who are free are actually doulosses or slaves to Christ, and those who are doulosses or servants, slaves, in an earthly sense, were actually freed men in the eyes of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7.22. Paul says, for he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. So, Further, we have the book of Philemon, which is a plea from Paul to his friend Philemon to release Onesimus from servanthood or slavery. Let's read it now and see how Paul gently and politely, but really quite firmly and unquestionably, applies pressure to Philemon to release Onesimus from servitude. Philemon chapter 1 in the English Standard Version Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, in the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. 
I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been very glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever." No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother. I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I want you to notice there in verse 14, Paul says, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion. What goodness? The goodness, the righteousness, the right thing to do to release Onesimus from his bond servitude. Paul calls that good. Let me close with some powerful words from a man named Lactantius. Lactantius was an early Christian teacher, writer, and apologist who lived in the 200s and the early 300s. So we're talking about almost 1,800 years ago. I want you to hear these words and hear how profound they are, uh, touched by the gospel, proclaiming equality in a way that I honestly think so many people today would agree with. This is a strong Christian man writing in the 200s or maybe the very early 300s. He says, God who produces and gives breath to men willed that all should be equal. That is equally matched. He has imposed the same condition of living on all. He has opened wisdom to all. He has promised immortality to all. No one is cut off from his heavenly benefits. In his sight, no one is a slave No one is a master, for if we all have the same father, by an equal right we are all children. No one is poor in the sight of God, but he who is without justice. No one is rich, but he who is full of virtues. For this reason, neither the Romans nor the Greeks could possess justice, for they had men differing from one another by many degrees, the poor and the rich, the humble and the powerful, private persons, and the highest authorities of kings. However, Where all persons are not equally matched, there is no justice, and by its nature, inequality excludes justice. However, someone will say, Are there not among you some who are poor and others who are rich? Are not some servants and others masters? Is there not some difference between individuals? There is none. Nor is there any other cause why we might mutual, why we mutually bestow upon each other the name of brothers except that we believe ourselves to be equal. We measure all human things by the spirit, not by the body. Although the condition of our bodies is different, yet we have no servants. For we both regard and speak of them as brothers in spirit and as fellow servants in religion. 
Therefore, in lowliness of mind, we are on an equality, the free with the slaves and the rich with the poor. Nevertheless, in the sight of God, we are distinguished only by virtue. The person who has conducted himself not only as an equal, but even as an inferior, he will plainly obtain a much higher rank of dignity in the judgment of God. Amen. And I find that a fascinating quote. Well, let's close with an even older quote than that. Our verse of the month from Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the lion's den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.